The Blacks and Whites Network proudly presents Katherine Raker of Let's Just Talk. Hi, this is Katherine Raker of Let's Just Talk. You know, following this week's controversial raid on former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, many are questioning the actions of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or the FBI. And now some people believe that this is proof of the swamp that Trump swore to drain several years prior. Joining us now to discuss this matter further is Michael Letts, a man with over 30 years of law enforcement under his belt. He is currently serves as president and founder and CEO for Invest USA, an organization that provides bulletproof vests to police officers through various charitable foundations and sponsorships. His expertise will certainly provide some weight on the matter. Welcome to our show, Michael. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great, Catherine. It's always a privilege to be on your show, and we thank you for what you're doing to educate the American people. Thank you very, very much. Um, My first question, Michael, is what do you think the biggest concern is here when it comes to the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago? Well, I think the biggest concern has to be this, and it's the politicalization of federal law enforcement to begin with, and then, of course, that bleeds down into the state and local area. You know, there should never be a two-tier justice system to use a law enforcement entity for political purposes or for a political narrative. It's got to be one of the worst things that can happen in this country. That's what we freed ourselves from 250 years ago in the British tyranny, British rule, was they simply decided that uh, whatever they felt like was in their best interest they used the military, and they used they, which was law enforcement back in those days, to enforce their way and their desires on the American people. We revolted against that. We wanted to be free. We knew that that was our destiny was freedom, and we paid a price for that. We bought it in blood, and we've kept it in blood for the last 250 years. And I don't think the American people are anyway interested in getting rid of it now. But that is what is happening. And these are prime examples. We see these all across the country. People wonder, is this the first time? No, it's not. This has been happening now. It's been a very well-orchestrated movement over the last few years. Of course, what is its purpose? Its purpose is ultimately to make sure that we have a federal law enforcement in place that will exercise the will of those who assume they will be in power, i.e. the leftist liberals, enforce the confiscation of our firearms because, you know, you can't control the people that are armed. And that's their final piece of the puzzle that they're rapidly moving forward to. And it's coming out in various ways, as we can see, the politicalization of our federal enforcement. Some of the ways that has happened. Your listeners are very well aware that we started decades ago, but some of the key elements that stand out are Hillary Clinton, obstruction of justice, scrubbing 30,000 emails that had already been subpoenaed. It's not like she made a mistake and didn't know they were necessary. They already had the subpoenas. They were already supposed to be protected, and she deliberately scrubbed them. If you and I would have done that, uh, they'd still be looking for us under a jail. But yet we see no repercussions for the Clintons in that particular incident that we're talking about there. President Obama left off the same situation now we're talking about here from President Trump. 
with over 30 million emails that had classifications of national security. They had classifications of being classified. And they did nothing other than to tell him to return them. We're still waiting on those to be returned, and that's over a decade still waiting with no repercussions. We know that they're Hunter Biden because we have seen the copies of the hard drives. They've been made, so this is not speculation. One can easily ascertain, a third grader can ascertain the secrets and the crimes that have been committed that put us in a position of being at risk to the Chinese. National security that also put into question the office of the vice presidency at that time, which is what Joe Biden was holding, being utilized to um, for quite a bit of activity that would be considered treasonous. It would put us at risk with the Chinese. But yet the Federal Bureau of Investigation has sat on that for years and actually done very little. The reason I give them the credit for very little is they do just enough when somebody questions they can answer that they're looking at it. But you know, if you and I had done the same thing, their looking would have taken a matter of 24 hours and we'd already be in jail. So it proves that there is cause to question whether the objectivity and the neutrality of law enforcement to begin with. Then you see what they did with President Trump. When I mean President Trump, I'm talking during his actual term. They utilized information that they knew was inaccurate, bought and paid for by the political operatives of the Democratic Party, i.e. Hillary Clinton, created a Russian dossier, said there was Russian collusion, and the evidence now shows the Bureau knew all along because there were internal memos that said this information is not valid. Yet the leadership chose to ignore that deliberately and pressed with a special counsel, spent literally millions of tax dollars moving forward with a case that they knew didn't exist, forcing a president to be distracted from doing what he has been charged to do, which was to take care of the American people and solve true problems facing the American public, and yet even then also have to spend his own dollars to defend himself. You know, the sad part about it, Catherine, is had there been anybody else other than Trump, I'm not so sure they would have been able to survive financially. And again, we're talking about utilizing the resources that you and I pay for. It's tax dollars. It's a federal agency and using it to go after and to prosecute and to harass the American people, and in this case, President Trump. Well, let's talk about specifically what you raised in Mar Largo. What has transpired here? Well, to put it out in simple terms, first of all, you have to have somebody file a complaint. You can't look at a crime if nobody's complaining that there was one. So the National Archives has taken the position that there were sensitive, classified documents that were removed without permission 
from the White House and taking the Mar-a-Lago. A couple problems with that theory, though, Catherine. First of all, I think the American public is smart enough to know that you didn't see President Trump in an old pair of jeans and a T-shirt trying to pack his own boxes in his office because he was leaving in a few days, uh, moved to head south. You know good and well the president himself didn't pack any of those boxes. In fact, it would have been somebody from National Archives who would have worked with his aides and staff to pack up. And what is the purpose of packing up these boxes? Well, every presidential administration has a presidential library. And so under the act, they are to take their personal papers and put them in for display in their presidential library. So this happens to every administration. But here is the oddity. You would have thought the National Archive people would have been reviewing what was going in the boxes and would have flagged anything they thought was inappropriate. That didn't happen. And actually, it was the opposite way. When the president's not there to oversee it, you wonder how many things they could have placed in there on their own. Somebody had to raise the question of paperwork missing. How did they even know what the paperwork was that was supposedly missing? It was then taken to Mar-a-Lago. The question was raised that you have documents that are inappropriate in your storage place. And so the president was very, President Trump was very upfront. There's something in there. Come get it. They did. They met on June the 2nd, and the FBI agents there. He came in. Of course, the president's not going to stand there and go to the boss. Why would he? He came in for just a second and instructed his lawyers that you want to have your lawyers present because you don't want them to take something they're not supposed to. Told them to give them the access to what they needed, let them have whatever it was that they felt like was appropriate for them to take. And then he left. They went through, they took 15 boxes, they left boxes behind, they left them in the storage shed, they asked, it's kind of an oddity, they asked the person that you're trying to take stuff from to protect it for you and to get a special lock to make sure nobody else can access it. But they did that. And then instead of going through the normal procedure by saying, oh, it looks like uh, there's some more papers that we failed to get, which they should have gotten the first time, quite frankly, Catherine. We're going to ask them for them. They didn't ask them for them. The president said if they would have asked, he would have let them give them whatever else they wanted. They had the second option. Instead of just asking, they could have gone to court, gotten a subpoena. We were subpoenaing these particulars. They chose not to do that. Instead, they chose the route of going to a U.S. magistrate, giving the impression that the Trump administration was refusing to be cooperative, which was the exact opposite and requesting a search warrant and then executing it without any prior notice and coming in when they executed that warrant. And warrants are very specific, Catherine. You have to list what it is that you're looking for and where you expect to find it. Well, they went way outside of that. They went into their personal closets, Melania's personal things, with no authorization. They went in and searched for, and took documents, personal things that were not listed as part of what the judge had given them the right to do. In fact, we're questioning now whether the judge even knew that uh, the Trump administration had tried to be cooperative before. And so when that happens, it tells you there's an ulterior motive. The motive obviously was not to return some 
particular paperwork. And here's let's talk about the paperwork for a moment that makes this case even more frustrating. The president has the right to declassify any material he feels appropriate for the general public to be able to see. That's transparency, quite frankly. The more that you declassify, the more the American people can see how government works, what's been happening behind the scenes, and have confidence that their government is representing their best interests. President Trump has always taken a position that he believes in high transparency. And so, according to his own liaison, these are talking about Pentagon papers, and his liaison to the Pentagon, they declassified all of these questionable papers before they were ever taken. So there is no crime when they're declassified. But yet, the Department of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Justice refuse to even, to this point, say what documents were taken and what documents were missing. It leads to a number of questions that the general public can have. First of all, who knew what documents were missing? How do you know a document is missing? How do you suspect it's in that box? It's almost like somebody is trying to set the stage to create an impression that we have a criminal or former criminal in the White House. You know, when you have so many hands, Catherine, in, the, in a box, it's called tainted evidence. Unless you have a particular video showing a person sneaking around, grabbing something, shoving it in a box or shoving it in their jacket and walking out with it. Everyone has access to it, and you can't prove how it got outside of the parameters. And it's tainted evidence. You don't know who you're going to charge because you don't know who did it. So this whole thing seems to be lining up as a farce to simply try to do a couple of objectives. First of all, it gives them the opportunity to go on a fishing expedition which is a very apparent as to what happened. Instead of taking the limited information they were quote-unquote seeking, it now becomes apparent that they were going through personal items, anything they could find that they thought would give them an opportunity to evaluate at a later date and perhaps use in a negative light. That's wrong. That's not the way our system is established. In this country, you are innocent until proven guilty. I hate to interrupt you. Sure, we're, we're running. We're running out of time. And <clears throat> let me say this. Let me ask this one last question. Sure. And that is, what is President Trump going to do with what's going to happen? Or is there? Are there? Is the goal to purposely keep him out of office and to ruin his reputation forever? And what's President yes. Trump, and what can we do as individuals and voters and Americans to support President Trump in, in this well, unlawful let me situation? That very quickly. Okay. Yes, it is an unlawful situation, and answer it very quickly. Yes, the goal and objective is to create an image in the American public that somehow there's criminality involved, and to actually get an indictment, because if they can prove criminality and get a conviction, then he can't serve in office. So that's their ultimate objective. What can the American people do? The American people can stand up and say, on this particular issue and even on a broader issue, we will not allow you to make a two-tier justice system. You cannot use and politicize a law enforcement agency. That in and of itself is treasonous and tyrannical. 
And it needs to be turned around to say that we will not tolerate it. We ask all of our Republicans in Congress to immediately petition for an impeachment articles against the Attorney General and the Department of Justice. We ask that they hold the FBI accountable on this, that they hold ultimately the person that is at the top of the chain of command, the President of the United States, President Biden, responsible for what the disaster that has occurred, and he needs to be held accountable. Well, we wish that President Trump and his family can get through this, and we're praying for them, and we as Americans should contact our congressmen and senators and complain and do whatever it takes to support the former president because no other president has had to deal with this before. It's unprecedented in American history, and it cannot stand. Right. We want to thank you for joining us today and giving us your valuable time to discuss this issue. It will be on all of our radio stations. I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy day to do this, and we want to send a message to President Trump that we support him and we love him and and we're praying for him, and we are going to call our congressmen and senators and complain about this. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you once again for what you're doing to make America great again. We value everything you you do. Thank you. And give your website, please. If you would, you can find further information as to how to support this at www.investusa. That's investusa.org. And our website is letsjusttalk.com. And we'll see you. Let me do that again. Thank you for joining us on Catherine Raker's Let's Just Talk. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Just Talk with Catherine Raker. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers was created to serve veterans who deal with the lack of sleep due to their injuries. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides a free MP3 player for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. To learn how you can help, go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us to help a veteran make it through the night. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. 
We're back. You're listening to Let's Just Talk with Katherine Riker. Hi, this is Katherine Riker of Let's Just Talk. You know, children with health insurance are better prepared to head back to school. And those eligible for Medicaid and CHIP can enroll at any time to access health services important for academic success. Those currently enrolled must ensure contact information is up to date with state to maintain coverage. Our guest today is Beth Link, Senior Advisors of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Welcome to our show today. How are you? Catherine, thank you so much for having me. And, and thanks for shining some light on how important it is to get health insurance coverage as you prepare for this back to school, uh, the school year um, in this back to school season. You know, for our audience that don't know what are Medicaid and CHIP, would you give an explanation of that, please? Absolutely. So Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program um, that's what CHIP stands for, um, are really essential um, programs that provide health coverage for children up to age 19 um, in families with low to moderate incomes. To give you a sense, um, Medicaid and CHIP cover more than 40 million children in the United States, um, and they're a part of the network that really helps ensure that over 94% of the nation's children have health insurance. So this is, um, you know, critical care um, that provides, you know, access to uh, your regular checkups, to mental health services, to dental care, to hearing screenings, um, and, and other services that kids and, she, and teens might need. What types of services are covered by Medicaid and CHIP? Because um, I think that's really important for people to understand that, Beth. That's a really good point. And, you know, it's um, think about, you know, the, the, the elements that, that kids need to succeed uh, and and and, and really, those are the services um, and visits and care um, that Medicaid and CHIP cover. So that's your regular doctor visit, your um, hospital care if you need it, emergency services if, heaven forbid, someone breaks an ankle or something, um, that would be covered. Eye exams, dental care, um, hearing screenings, mental and behavioral health services are all the type of things that are covered. Um, it's also important to note, uh, as it's really, you know, the time of year that uh, Medicaid and CHIP um, provide coverage for age-appropriate vaccinations. Um, that includes the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, and, and I know many parents are making sure that their kids are up to date with their boosters ahead of this um, school season. Um, that's covered in Medicaid and CHIP. Um, also covers the seasonal flu vaccine every year. Um, and then in terms of any screenings for, you know, mental and behavioral health services, I think we've seen during the pandemic the toll um, that that's taken on, on many of our kids' mental health. Uh, their Medicaid and CHIP provide um, coverage for screenings um, and connections to the services that, that you might need to help your, your child succeed in school and in life. Um, uh, this school year. And who's eligible for these programs, Beth? Yeah, so, yeah, that's a really good question. So every state has a Medicaid and a CHIP program, um, and so it varies state by state. These programs provide health coverage um, to those kids up to age 19 um, for those families with a low to moderate incomes. And what I mean by that is um, that it, it's on average for a family of four, an income up to about 50000 per year. But I do just want to note that it, it does vary based on how many people are in the household um, and your income. So it's always worth checking. Um, and the best place you can check is, health, um, is at um, insurekidsnow.gov for the enrollment information. And then you'll just put in your state 
um, once you go to the find coverage for your family section of the website, um, and you'll be able to figure out, um, you know, your, your coverage options. I will note if, if you're not sure if you qualify and you, you think maybe I make a little bit too much, but I'm still uninsured, um, you can also go to healthcare.gov where um, four and five consumers can find a plan for $10 or less per month. This is thanks to the um, Affordable Care Act health insurance marketplaces. So that's another option um, if you're not sure, but your best first stop is insurekidsnow.gov to find um, information about your eligibility. Why is it so important for students to have health coverage and why should eligible families and students enroll now? So, you know, I think it's, it's critically important because with Medicaid and SHIP health coverage, you as a parent have the peace of mind that knows that your kids um, have access to essential medical care, that's preventative services, um, those visits to the doctor, um, but also if there is an emergency and you have to go to the hospital um, or, or need um, more types of emergency care, um, all of that is covered and it's not going to be a catastrophic financial event for your family. Um, you know, I think there's a lot on, on our minds, particularly back to school season and, and certainly throughout the year. And parents can really rest easier knowing that um, medical bills from routine or emergency care won't jeopardize um, your family's financial security once you have that health insurance coverage. So you can apply for Medicaid and CHIP coverage any time of the year. You don't just have to, you know, it's not like for many adults, we have an open enrollment period. Kids um, can, can sign up any time of the year. But um, we are encouraging you to, to check it out now because we know that um, health insurance coverage is such a, so connected to kids' academic success in the classroom. Well, you just said that. How does, how does it affect a student's academic performance? And I think, I think that this last two years, um, actually, Beth, have been very tough on kids and parents. So having that uh, assurance that they can get you know, good health coverage and that they can be seen by someone in mental health, that makes a big difference. Am I correct? That does. It makes it, it makes a really big difference. And I think, you know, just to just to kind of dig into that point a little bit is that health insurance um, is critical for kids to thrive in school and in life. Um, we know that kids with health insurance coverage are more likely to complete high school um, and graduate from college compared with their peers who don't have access to care. Um, Part of that is because, you know, kids aren't leaving school due to illness, um, you know, and, and so are, have actually more time in school. Um, but I think also to your mental health note about, you know, having connection to a community, fewer missed school days also allow kids and teens to stay involved in after school activities like clubs and sports. So when we think about, you know, your mental and behavioral health needs, you, you have to think about like all of the elements that impact that, whether it's the stress of, you know, being worried about financial impacts on your family, that, that trickles down to kids, certainly. And so um, taking that load off by having health insurance coverage um, is certainly felt. How can families with eligible children enroll in coverage and where can they find help? You can visit uh, insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW for additional information about programs in each state. Um, and, and through that process, you'll, you can apply online, over the phone, by mail, or in person with your state's Medicaid or CHIP agency. If a child currently covered by Medicaid or CHIP 
Is there anything parents need to do to maintain coverage? And is there a renewal process? That's a really good question. So normally, um, about once a year, you'll have to update your um, eligibility information with the state. That's called the renewal process or the redetermination process, um, which all basically all that means is making sure that you qualify still for the coverage that you currently have. Our goal is always to make sure that you know you are able and, and you have health insurance coverage and you don't lose it. So um, to, to make sure of that, um, it's important that your contact information is up to date with the state. Um, I will say that the renewal process that I just mentioned is currently on hold because of COVID, um, but at some point it will renew um, or it will uh, resume, I should say. And so you uh, can, um, Prepare yourself for that by updating your contact information with the state, checking your mail um, for whenever those um, that information uh, comes your way. Make sure you don't miss it, and then complete that renewal form or get connected to the coverage that you're best eligible for at that point. Um, we'll certainly be talking about that to remind people when the time comes, but for right now, the best thing you can do is update your contact information with your state Medicaid agency if you've moved or if anything's changed. Where can we find or my listeners find out additional information? Parents can visit insurekidsnow.gov um, and you can click on the find coverage for your family item on the website to find Medicaid and CHIP program information in your state. You can also call us at 1-877-KIDS-NOW. That's 1-877-KIDS-NOW. I can't thank you enough for what you do uh, and your mission to help children and their families to have productive, wonderful lives. And thank you for joining us today on Catherine Raker's Let's Just Talk. Don't forget to go to our website at letsjusttalk.com. Thank you so much. Catherine, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Catherine Raker's Let's Just Talk on the Blacks and Whites Network.